Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of sending yourself out and not worrying even a little bit about you know, entropy vacuoles or uh, anar- anarchy counter-thrusting. Wasn't that a device in Buckaroo Banzai? Oh, it was the <laughs> overthruster. Never mind. It was the os- oscillation overthruster. There we go. Yes. Yes. Th- and, and these are very uh, much important to us because we are talking about time travel adventures. A lot of, in my particular uh, uh, gaming, I've been running into a lot of situations of time travel, and so I, it prompted me to say, "Hey, why don't I try to, you know, bring some of my best ideas, you know, best practices from what I've been doing in my gaming to the podcast?" And uh, Trav has been looking up a lot of reference material from his voluminous section. I, yeah. I mean, the the, the the Library of Congress got nothing on Trav when it comes to PDFs. And folks, for you longtime listeners, Bruce and I were both at Rich's wedding. We gamed together, and he saw the folders upon folders of PDFs on my old laptop. So, yeah. Also, yeah, I, I'm currently, I, I got tired of scrolling. I yeah, just gave back yeah. to him. <laughs> also, I am currently running a mashup Doctor Who World of Darkness campaign, so I deal with time travel actively in the campaign so bruce and i both figured that this would be a good topic to us for us to approach on a system agnostic level because time travel can be in any type of campaign setting right and go between them so even better sure and and of course you know uh, i mean something that might start off not being a time travel adventure at all might turn into a time travel adventure which is what happened with me in my bureau 13 adventure because I, what I did was is that I gave them a device that was supposed to enhance the uh, magical energy in the area so that their, their detectors that they had would work better. What I didn't initially plan was that it was going to also weaken the boundaries between various realities. <laughs> Ah. And, and uh, so right in the middle of them investigating this bank robbery where uh, a, a car basically drove through a wall without making a hole in it, just, you know, phased through the wall, and somebody robbed the place, basically like ghosts. They're investigating this, and all of a sudden they see these horses come walking through the wall and meandering around like they're grazing and looking around going, huh? Who are you people and where am I? And they turn around and they ran forward and disappeared through the wall, and they said... Well, this has got to be part of the adventure. Let's go follow it. <laughs> they oh, did. Boy. And they ended up in 6th century uh, America. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> that was fun, yeah. So, and we I got to gener- I got to generate an entirely mythical landscape for them to be on at that point because so far back in time, of course, you can do whatever you want to. I mean, they haven't even been uh, discovered, you know, by Europeans. So, pretty much anything I wanted to do was fair game. So I, I cracked out all the mythology books and stuff and said, what can I put into this area? What would be some of their legends of the various uh, Native American people oh, who yeah. were in that area? And so I started throwing in all kinds of stuff, you know, the little, little, uh, little people. And uh, I had like these giant heads that were the result of people being murdered and, you know, and, and they follow you and try to eat you up. And there was a, a giant, not skinless, um, furless, basically just like bear skin, like a bear that was kind of a protector. He herded mammoths. Okay. There were, ma- there were mammoths in the area as well. So all that kind of stuff. And, of course, there were natives who took a really kind of a dim view of them basically j- jumping right in the middle of their uh, horse herd and starting to uh, do stuff. Now, you might say to yourself, wait a second. He says, didn't the horses arrive in America at a later date with the Spanish? Uh, and, and I might have made a mistake there, but hey, they didn't. The, the the players never questioned it, so I'm like, oh yeah, it's all good. Just go with it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows where those horses came from? They could have time slipped from anywhere. And then, and previously, and the Indians said, well, these are great, man. You hop on top of these things, or they give good mare's milk, and you know, a lot of it, you know. 
So, uh, anyways, I mean, it's a lot easier than milking one of those mammoths, I'll tell you that much. Ah. <laughs> but, anyways, so we, uh, so that, and that went on to a lot of other things. Before we were done, uh, we, we had also traveled to, um, they, they had gotten captured by the Time Patrol, escaped that uh, with the help of a certain J.P. Withers, followed a bunch of uh, time-traveling neo-Nazis to 1945 who were trying to stop Hitler from committing suicide in his bunker. From there, they traveled back in time a year and spent and were spending it in, um, in America where they got to meet Albert Einstein, they got to meet uh, Babe Ruth, they had got into a drinking contest oh, yeah. with him. Uh, and uh, uh, be, uh, because somebody that they said w- that they wanted to help them said that he needed an 80-year-old bottle of scotch or he wouldn't do it. So they said, well, who can we get to do this? And they said, well, you know, who's a famous drinker in this area? Because they were in Boston. And they said, oh, Babe Ruth. <laughs> They managed to pull it off, even though they gave themselves all alcohol poisoning doing it. And finally, they have now traveled back to about six, four months before they initially traveled into the past. Oh, and they're now tr- trying to figure out, you know, what, what they're going to do at this point. So it's, it, it was, and, and the last leg was, was, uh, was, via, uh, was via a bunch of fey horses guarding time-traveling dandelions who, got, who hooked them up to be riders of the wild hunt until they got to the present day and managed to jump off the horses oh, okay. into, into the present. So, you know, just a normal, everyday adventure that she might run through. Oh, yeah, another day in the Bureau, as we say. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, anyways, uh, and you're starring um, a, a time travel one, too, so can you give us a little bit of what that is about? Okay, as I said, this is another Trav and Perky Goth collaboration. We already did Maze World. She wanted to do this, and the two canons actually mesh pretty well, as I did the research on both the uh, fandom wikis. Uh, what are the canons? What What are the canons? Well, as, just as far as Doctor Who and the World of Darkness, you know. Oh, okay. okay. I'd forgotten that that was what yeah. you were doing. Yeah, so... It's a bunch of normal, well, we all think we're normal, working in a warehouse, and we find that the warehouse is, and has been for a long time, a front for, like, intergalactic import-export smuggling, and we find a couple of the aliens involved, and during us trying to get around and away from them, we kind of have to, you know, lay all our cards on the table. What do you mean you're a mage? What do you mean you just turned into a werewolf? What do you mean you're a dampier? So I mean just, we kind (laughs) of... And then another of the players, they were the Time Lord, a child of Rassilon that he hid during the Time War. So we have the Time Lord with the TARDIS, a werewolf and a... Well, she's... Colleen's sort of playing the female Jack Harkness type who we've now retconned say, no, she's a werelinx, and a dampier and a werewolf vigilante. I'm playing basically a Mary Sue character, the the guy who... These are all supposedly 20-somethings, and I'm the middle-aged guy who is like the father figure. And so we've had picked up people along the way and were involved in just going anywhere and everywhere. And we've incorporated Pixie's Pokey Earth campaign and just, yeah, I'm not much of a gothic horror GM, so Perky Goth is just handing World of Darkness adventures that I'm adapting. Mm -hmm. And it's good that Monty uh, Monty Cook did a World of Darkness that you can convert World of Darkness over to OGL stats. Very helpful. So yeah, I've had to deal with time travel and they went back in time and really messed things up where a vampire is pretty much now running the Midwest and Ontario. So I made them, okay, knowledge tactics and knowledge planes rolls. And they're rolling in the 40s for OGL. So like DC 40. I said, okay, you spend time, months, undoing the damage that you did. You track all the various business deals that this vampire businessman who's now been around for 150 years, giving him money to not sell your business or cutting off this business deal and just screwing this vampire over and over again to where his sphere of influence is now back just to the greater Detroit area. I made them roll for it. I said, okay, you're going to explain how you do stuff like this. And they did. They they sat around this table and gave me 
okay, this is how we're going to undo the damage that we did because we inadvertently went back to 1860 and messed with things there. Selling modern-day ammo to get a joint because the one of the wearables is a stoner. And just, yeah, I'm figuring, okay, you're going to go time-traveling. And now they're starting to discuss, okay, if we go back in time, how are we going to mess this up? So they're doing it smart. They're starting to realize the repercussions of their actions if they go too far back in the past. And what happens when other people or beings mess with time. Okay, so that brings us basically to our first question, yes. which is, are you implying that time is, is fragile? Uh, the way I'm doing it is, yeah, if you do something in the past, there will be repercussions. It's the whole ripple effect. And this is where I wanted to bring up that one occurrences thing for Dark Quest Games Temporality by Brett Boyd. And he has this thing called occurrences that if you do certain things and depending on how far back in the past is, you have divergences and they are lesser, moderate, and greater. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll try to Reader's Digest this down. Lesser cosmetic effects. Um, if you remember Back to the Future 3 where the bridge that the DeLorean appeared on was the Eastwood Bridge because Marty introduced himself as Clint Eastwood. Uh -huh. It doesn't change the entire landscape of Hill Valley. It just changed the name of a particular bridge. Then you have moderate ones that can change the way people think and act within a larger mile radius. Effects can include different skill and feed emphases in NPCs, differences in government and their officials in the absence of establishments or even people, be it through death or moving. And then a greater one, no holds barred. Anything goes. Now, okay. Thing, yeah. hmm? okay, so... so you know, you're, you're, uh, in, in your view, or uh, uh, at least this view that you're talking about of time travel and the way time works, is, is that the ripples never damp out. They just keep getting bigger and bigger, and they keep going and going and going and going, and you know, and they can they could possibly snowball into you know from you know a, a dropped pebble to a tsunami. Yeah, the butterfly at, at, effect, they call it, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, but the butterfly effect, you know, you know makes, makes that assumption that any, a minor, a very minor can change can make major, major change differences. Yeah, yeah the what, problem, is it, what is it exactly? A butterfly flapping its wings in China will cause a tsunami in New York. Right, and Basically, right. this one little thing will radiate out to where far, far away it will have great repercussions. Right. Um, and and so, you know, I I myself don't like it, that idea, because the fact is is that if you if you go back in time, any amount of time, okay, your existence is going to change things. The, the butterfly is flapping. You're breathing air, you're combining oxygen and CO2. That wasn't done before, certainly wasn't done by you. So you know, the, if, if a single butterfly flapping is going to destroy the world, then any time travel is going to destroy the world. And I, you know, I think that from the standpoint of writing an adventure, you're going to end up with something where the, the players feel impotent, you know, or they feel like, you know, oh, let's just, you know, everything's going to get me destroyed if we go back any more than, let's say, a week, like that seven-day show. So, but... And I guess if people want to see how badly the world can be destroyed, and if that's the GM, that's what the GM's getting off on, then this, that would be a great campaign. But for me, I kind of want to be able to go back in time and only have to worry about the major changes that I might do. So you're into the concept of... I've heard either Eisenberg points or Nexus points, where these are... You know, like the doctor fixed a fixed point, like Hitler being born, World War II, Lincoln getting shot at the Ford Theater. Certain things that just you can't change no matter what. Are you into that concept? Well, no, not really. I, I, I don't think that, I don't. I'm not that far in that direction either. Okay, I just think that um, I, just like when you drop a pebble into the water, it makes some ripples, but then they damp out. I think also time changes would also happen because everybody is affecting everybody else. And, you know, as, as anybody has experienced in, in trying to drive home in five o'clock traffic, nobody is, has, is in control. You're all basically flowing, going along, hoping to move along at a good clip. But, but any idiot can stop the, stop the flow at any time. Oh, no, I so, know that. I, yeah, I yeah. accident in front of me this morning on the way to work. Thankfully, I was able to divert it. But, yeah. It's yeah. all, it's sort of like the birds in flight in school. They just have that sense and they all 
move at the same time. If you've ever seen like a massive flock of birds shift mm-hmm. direction in mid-flight, right? Traffic is yeah. like that. It's just they all just sort of—it's like a jazz rip. You're all just sort of going along with the right. flow because you know what's going on. Right now, I do believe that there are certain things that happen that have far-reaching uh, results that we may not initially recognize. You know, things, for example, like uh, the introduction of cellular phones has totally revolutionized, you know, our lives. Yes. Okay. Um, I mean, there's no place on the planet now where you cannot talk to somebody else. That's a major thing. Being, you know, people are, there's people now who no longer, uh, who no longer even go to libraries because they think that anything that they need to find, they can find on their phone by Googling it. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to, you know, so that's going to, and which could have some really positive effects in which people could be like really uh, self-starting, going in and exploring stuff and, and enriching their minds. But it also means that somebody could very well go and change history and we wouldn't even know it because they changed all the records that are in the, the files and we all take it all as being true, you know. <laughs> so I hope we don't lose all of the, uh, uh, all of the paper copies of things. So what I'm so what I'm saying is is that there's there there is the the uh, uncertainty factor where you know you do, things that you may not think is important but the GM decides is important maybe have a big effect on what's going on in the adventure that you're running and may change things when you go back to the future uh, if you're in the past. Well, that, that's uh, why I use this divergence chart. Let me I'll yeah. read off some of the. Okay, you have action. None but characters seen by one or more humanoids. Moves at least one object. Speaks with one or two people. Speaks with more than three people. Hides or destroys an object. Injures or kills a creature. Affects at least 500 people in some way. Burns down a building, saves a village, etc. Alters a known historical event. And mm-hmm. the list goes, you know, it's from the least one or two people might have seen you. If it's up mm-hmm. to one year back in time, no divergence. More than a year, it's a lesser divergence. Again, Jones Bridge is now Eastwood Bridge. Now, right. But if I went back in historic event, if it's up to one day, it's already a moderate. If it's more than one day, it's considered a greater. In other words, like stopping Hitler from assassinating himself. Needless to say, Hitler surviving and not committing suicide in 1945. Yeah, that's a greater divergence. You have altered history to the point. The way I see, the way I do time travel, you know that ring of three wishes in OGL, D&D and Pathfinder both have them? Sure. Time travel is another way to mess with your players. Where, because as you know, I'm slightly autistic, and I've, I've mentioned this, and so I have Goth Bunny and Oz and Perky Goth and Pixie and Jeff, and trying to out semantic because they know it's like this son of a you know he's gonna do it. They spent 20 minutes trying to get a wish right, uh-huh. and now that I'm in running a time travel campaign, that's why I made them do the. Okay, you're going to do a knowledge planes check because time travel falls under that and a knowledge tactics check for planning. And they Mm -hmm. rolled in the 40s and I said, okay, you guys are bouncing around the Detroit area over the course of like 50 years. It's going to take months. And that helped me move the campaign up a little bit. But you have done enough to shrink down the... So I made them. No, it's like... And they're talking, okay, we're going to do this and this and this. Okay, make your rolls. So it was a mixture of R-O-L-E playing and R-O-L-L playing. But mm-hmm. I made the care I've made the players realize if they're going back in time to alter a known historical event, something that they know about or can research, and they have a TARDIS, so you know, complete historical records, they just need to make the computer check, mm-hmm. that there will be repercussions. And I use this divergences chart from temporality as a good way to gauge just how far I can mess with the players in the campaign. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, as I said, I like the having fragile time, but I'm not going to be a total jerk about it. I realize that I could ruin a campaign if I were to go and do the, well, if they go back in time, you know, they so much a step out of the TARDIS, they're gonna, there's a chance that they're going to, you know, everything they know will be gone. Right. That, that, that's kind of being a mean GM. But you right. need to instill in a players in time travel campaign, if you are doing fragile time, there are repercussions to your actions. The bigger and more dramatic and more public the action. Yeah, but I, I want to uh, caution you because, you know, we have a lot of instances where people have done things 
and it really hasn't changed anything. For example, there were entire villages of Indians uh, in the plains and other places that were just wiped out by the U.S. military because they decided that they wanted somebody else to have that area. Yeah. Okay. If they hadn't wiped out the, that village, do you think it would have radically changed the uh, the history of America? I don't think the history of America, but it certainly would have been read that, okay, that these people were saved and there might not have been tribes. There, there As I said, there would have been a change, but it wouldn't have been a, a massive one. From what they're saying, the, the Native American genocide was anywhere from 50 to 100 million yeah. over the course of, you know, a couple centuries. And right. a village or two might not have changed drastic i mean it would have changed the immediate area let's say it's certainly a ch it changed the lives of the people involved yes yeah but no I'm, say... I'm not questioning that i'm just simply saying that in the in the larger scale you know it may it may not have made any difference now if that event had galvanized the surrounding tribes of indians to all band together and go on a on a major you know war path and if some of their leaders had been educated in uh, in England, at Oxford, as some of them were, then this could have been a much different you know, uh, United States. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I'm not saying that you can't have that kind of thing happening. But I'm just saying is that there's been lots of times when major events have occurred, and but after 20, 30, 50 years, it seems like it's been back to business as usual. Well, as I said, that's why the divergence thing is it depends on the size of the event. If you manage to save a village amongst 20 villages that get wiped out, during that campaign, it'll change at least the immediate area. It's mm -hmm. not going to alter the nation as a whole. It'll just say, well, this one village wasn't taken out. Well, it, unless the GM wants it to. Right, that's that's what I mean. If, if it, Again, it, that would probably be at least a moderate divergence. Right. That one so, village saved out of right. 20 that the army came and just, you know, right. decimated. So you're, so you're going to need some methodology of being able to determine how important or how dire uh, if you make a change how dire the effect is or you, you're going to have to have some other corrective mechanism in place if you want to maintain your future the one you came from all right well let's um and and and, and to bring it even further out i guarantee you the universe does not care if we all wiped ourselves off this planet well yeah considering we're one planet in a soul exactly a i mean if you went back in time and changed things and a whole different landscape happened, but at some point in the future we basically all die out as as human beings, just like the you know the the great the great uh, uh, histories and, and and empires of the uh, of the Neanderthal. Okay, after they're gone, it doesn't matter what happens. <laughs> so. You, you have to you have to be careful that you don't overestimate the the importance and um, to the universe as to what your actions are. And this can be really important if you decide in your game that you're going to have some kind of a mechanistic correction factor where you know these things cannot change, and if they do, time will make sure that they happen anyways. You know, and you you have the guy who's been trying to, you know, keep himself from committing suicide, you know, uh, uh, because that's how he got inducted into the time force. And he, he steals the gun away from him. He takes the bullets away. He locks in another room. He, uh, he does all these things. And finally, at the end, he says, okay, I think I finally got it. And the guy walks out onto the balcony of the hotel room he's at. And a meteorite hits him right between the eyes as if he'd been shot with a third caliber shell. He says, if the universe wants you dead that bad, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. So I'm asking the question, does does the universe want anything that badly? And if it doesn't, you're probably pretty safe to change time, you know, without, you know, now you may not like the results of those changes, but the universe itself is not going to get in your face and not let you do it. Well, I've also seen adventures and, and, and campaigns where, okay, John Wilkes Booth didn't shoot Lincoln. Lincoln died a day later from pneumonia or a carriage accident, and he still died anyways. It or food poisoning. It may not Wilkes Booth that took him out, but Lincoln still died due to something else. Right, well, he was part of a conspiracy. Somebody else could have taken Lincoln out the next day or the day after or whatever. Yeah, it could have happened. Uh, but the major and, overall factor is that Lincoln died. Right. So, yeah, they, I mean, there are things like that that you can do that it's not going to really alter history that much. The end effect is still the same. You just took a, a different path because you managed to shoot Booth before he, you know, pops Link in the back of the head, 
jumps off the balcony and yells six semper tyrannus right yeah so yeah the universe kind of has a way of you know realigning itself and that was uh mentioned or doesn't yeah well it it, that was kind of the thing in uh farscape with the whole unrealized realities when einstein the altered ancient was telling john never go back to a point at a time before you were. And so when he thought of home and ended up there floating above Earth and found out it was 1986, I think it was, mm-hmm. and you said, fix the first thing that goes weird and time will realign itself. Well, his appearance in 85, 86 caused the Challenger incident to be earlier than it was supposed to be. For some mm-hmm. reason, Jack Crichton was supposed to go up on the shuttle and he would have died in the explosion. And, of course, the rest of the crew of Moya is like, well, what does it have to do with us? He dies. I don't get into IASA. I'm not on the Farscape project. Dargo is still in chains. Aaron's still a peacekeeper. Rigel's still a prisoner. Yeah, trust yeah. me, we need to fix this. <laughs> and they did, and... History managed to stay the same, just other than the Challenger explosion without Jack Crichton happened a few, I think it was, they put it in February, and I think it was like mid-year, like May or June of that year. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, still, the universe will realign itself if something goes wonky due to time travel. So there is that school of thought. As I say, I think there's like three or four different schools of thought on time travel, elastic time, events can't be changed, alternate timelines, which will come up later. So, yeah, it, I think it's up to the GM what serves his purposes best. Well, it also depends on what kind of adventure you're going to run. Yeah. So, for example, if time actually can't be changed, then you can have a comedy. You know, and you don't have to worry about, you know, solving the problems. You can actually be doing all kinds of crazy things and wacko things can be happening. And it's all going to work out at the end because the GM is going to make sure that those things happen. So you can you can be much more casual about the game. Uh, if everything is possibly dire, then it, now you're in a much more serious, dark in- adventure than you might have otherwise been. So let's talk, uh, let's go on to uh, my, my third point here, which is how how exact do you think time travel should be? Can, can you like say, I'm going to go to this exact moment in time, this second, even microsecond, it can do. A, are you you want that ability? I mean, well, you want it, of course. But I'm saying, should the GM give them that ability to be able to so closely pick their uh, a destination point? Hmm. Well, in in the time travel campaign I'm doing, I and it's hard, and it's not a faulty navigation system. If they want to go to a particular time, oh, I want to go to, you know, I want to be there to watch them sign the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. July 4th, 1776. So they're going to probably want a couple of days there to check out things and then be able to get themselves into Independence Hall in Philadelphia, I believe it was signed. Yes, fine. It's been a while, folks, since I've been in a history class. I'm almost (laughs) 50. Sue me. We weigh your angry cards and letters, you know where to send them. Anyways, um, I would say, yeah, sure. I mean, if you have the capability to go to that exact time or a time before to see a certain event, yeah, give it to them. Uh, see, I don't like it. Okay. I don't think I. I don't. I like the idea that they can kind of generally go to where they want to go. Okay, but they can't necessarily nail it. So they have to throw in some leeway. And they might end up having to scramble because they might be running out of time. They might even totally miss the the point that they were trying to get to and have to try again because they missed it. Okay, so this allows the GM a lot more freedom to basically get them embroiled in things that they weren't expecting to get involved in because of that. It also, if you do have a very a, a very precise method of time travel it allow uh, that does have the benefit that allows you to create a number of saving devices okay uh, you're you're standing there and all of a sudden uh, a wall is falling down on top of you okay if you have some little you know um, Star Trek chiclet on your shirt and you can smack and it jumps you forward 15 seconds in time well bam the wall's falling. Now you're st- you you jump up in the air. The wall f- crashes down. You're not there, and now you're standing on rubble. You're alive. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been able to do that. Other things 
uh, like that where you might just put it on somebody and of course say you're traveling at a high speed you can execute them that way by <laughs> just simply going saying okay time travel and then um, you know <laughs> they appear the same location you know 15 seconds later and they fall to their desk because they were in a plane so you know having that kind of control can can provide this kind of MacGuffin type abilities okay but it also means that you, you know, you, you may, you may find your, you, you, it, it may be, I, I'm just trying to say it might take some of the um, suspense out of what you're doing because you're going to land exactly, exactly where you want to be. And, and maybe that's, maybe that's where the GM doesn't want to, you know, mess with. You might say, yeah, that's fine. They, they can land where they want to be. After that, I'm going to put the screws to them. Well, but me, I, I like the, I like the variability. Go ahead. And. Well, in temporality, they have it, and of course, it's due to your, um, they, they have a new skill, temporal navigation. And it's mm-hmm. using, this is more magical time travel, I've just adapted it for a TARDIS, mm-hmm. where you have temporal navigation, it's based on how far you go into the past or future, and how many people you're carrying with you. Now, if you miss the DC, and there's a chart, you roll on another chart, and it tells you how early or late you ended up at four after that point. And let me get to skills and so they're they're that that they're basically saying what I'm saying, which is is that you might be lucky and land exactly where you want to land, but there's a really good chance that you could land either sooner or later than oh, you no, want. They're to. doing and they do time deviation more or less. It can be anywhere from if you are one or two below the DC, that's one D four minutes. If you are thirty or more below the DC, one D four years. Okay. So, and and you don't like that from what you're telling me. No, no, I do because that that gives me the wiggle room, which they've messed up. Now, one time I did it as a plot device where Josie's character, who later became the Pokey Master because, well, it was her Pokey game that we integrated. She's learning how to pilot the TARDIS. Make your roll. Okay. Hi. Guess what? You, and it was a good excuse for us to do an adventure 10 years in the past. I didn't use that chart. I just fudged. But yeah, it was because she had such, at the time, just a pitifully low temporal navigation and geography role. And so that was that was a plot device. But usually I just use the chart that I just mentioned. It's like, okay, well, you wanted to be here. You managed to pick up a newspaper. It says July 3rd. You are here about a day before the big event. What are you going to do? Oh, crap, we have to get, you know, clothing and whatnot and, you know, try to find out how to get there and how to get in. And, yeah, so they're going to scramble a little. Now, if they appear late, then, okay, then they realize, can we undo whatever or... So, yeah, I I do like having that bit of if you mess up piloting your conveyance in one way or another or miscasting the spell as temporality does, you're going to have consequences. And time travel, yeah, it it, I, I like the chart. Now, 1D, four years, yeah, they're like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah. <laughs> well, you know me. I, I like complication. I like things yeah. to get messy. So that's my style. But, um, but I know a lot of other people, they want it to be just, you know, they, 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 they want to work up a, um, uh, and as, as I described in our text here, uh, they want to have a cable. They want to say, this is what we got to do. These are the resources we have. If we arrive at this point, then we're going to spend 15 minutes doing this and then another 10 minutes doing that. And we're going to talk to this person. We're going to do that person. And it's going to go bang, 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 just like clockwork. And we're going to win. And for some people, that is their dream. That is their dream adventure. And I don't want to get in the way of somebody like that. It just isn't one of the adventures that I would normally run. <laughs> so... Uh, but I, I have to applaud anybody who's able to handle that kind of detail to come up with essentially, you know, uh, uh, Ocean's Thirteen. Ah, yes. <laughs> any of the any of the iterations. So, so I'm saying is that I, I prefer the, the 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 fact that you can't, you know, really be absolutely sure. Uh, and there's a lot of you know television shows that actually do use really exact transfer. Um, the television show that's on. Uh, Netflix, the one called The Travelers, they know exactly when people are going to be traveling back from you know, from the future. They know exactly when certain things are going to happen because for them, it's all history. Yeah. Oh, and the show they, with, uh, Eric McCoy from Will and Grace. Yes, I've heard of it. Yes, yes, it's it's very good. Uh, it's uh, and and it's it's they have interesting characters and they actually did have an ending to it though. Of course, they can go on always, but after the two seasons, they. Uh, 
they actually gave it a, a decent ending. This if it doesn't go on, then everybody can say, okay, all right. So, <clears throat> but anyways, but that you know, there in that one, they know time is isn't fixed, but they they have a really strong handle on it. So sometimes when they you know when when they're doing the wrong thing, that there'll be a correction that that happens, <laughs> where. You know, it could be anywhere from the new person showing up and saying, okay, you guys are screwing it up. This is what you're supposed to be doing to other things, you know. Um, but that's, you know, for people who want, you know, to become, you know, agents of destiny, as I, I usually put it, they, uh, that, that's, you know, that kind of precision works great because then, you know, you're, you're, you, if you follow the mission, if you do what you're told to do, then sometimes you don't understand what the consequences of your actions are until later. But at least you know that you're doing what you were supposed to do. And if you don't do what you were supposed to do, you know that there's going to be consequences as a result. Okay. All right. I, so, I, go, go ahead. No, I, I, I do like that. I, I do like that you make your players scramble with time travel because of the fact that it puts a rush in on, on, on the importance and the gravity of the situation of doing such a, an extravagant thing as going through time. So, yes. Mm -hmm. I, I do like that it becomes a caper, mm -hmm. and I'd totally forgotten about the Ocean's movies as an example of that. Just... Yeah, yeah, all caper movies are like that. They're like clockwork, you know, and 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 you love watching it happen, you know, because you know, or a lot of spy movies do, you know, like the Mission Impossible. All the Mission Impossible or caper shows that you know they may, they may at the end find out that somebody was betraying them, but during the missions themselves, you just love to see how. You know, they just go bang, you know, clockwork, bang, 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 bang. Everything falls into place. You know, even when things get a little bit messy, they still manage to pull it off and, and adapt and keep on going. So we, we like that. And we like to be, and, and as players, I think to a certain extent, we would like to be able to do it. The problem is, is that in order to do that, you really have to be willing to put the work in. Because I got too many players who are like, well, okay, let's do a caper thing. So we're just going to roll. <laughs> We're just going to roll. It's okay. We got through that door. Okay. That guy's, you know, we're, we're, we're on time. Everything's moving right. We're just rolling our way through the adventure instead of like saying we got to, you know, we, these are the resources we have and this is what we have to do with them. Now let's make the rolls, you know, and, and, and deal with the consequences. Of course, you're going to want very competent people if you run that kind of an adventure. You know, so it's going to be either a system that allows you to be very competent or you have to play very high level characters. You know, which because obviously the people of the uh, Mission Impossible Force are top best of breed. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not going to make a mistake unless yeah, you even know. the new guy is already in a, is quite known in the spy world. He may be an expert in something, and they've drafted him in. Yeah, right. You know, and and, and of course uh, we we will stay out of the whole conundrum of you know you know <laughs> to do all spies know who each other are. <laughs> because yeah, exactly, they, yeah. Because if they, you know, sometimes it seems like they should, and other times it's like you must be a terrible spy if everyone knows who you are. Because isn't that the whole point of being a spy is for people not to know that you're doing what you're doing? Well, you're going you to know. have a community. It's like John Wick. You're yeah. all secret assassins. Yet, if you saw John Wick two and everything with um, the hotel, I have. Well, I saw John Wick one that had the hotel business. Yeah, the Continental, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, but I haven't yeah. seen the second one. Oh, you're missing out. It's a wonderful movie. It, not in time for it, but just a good movie. And they so they have this whole underground network right. of clothiers and tailors and, of course, <clears throat> the sommelier. He's selling and showing off guns like he, it's a, he's a wine steward. And it's played by the guy who does... Denarian Saul in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Mm -hmm. He did the right. voice for Darth Maul. And just so, okay. yeah, they have this old network and they all know each other even though they're secret, just not to each other. The rest of the world doesn't know they're assassins. Right. But, yeah. So, yeah. Right. And, 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 that, and that creates these really interesting relationships where sometimes it's like, you know, they can fall in love with each other, but they still have to take care of business. You know, and when you talk about time travel, you can have competing time travel groups, which create interesting situations. Because when I, I mentioned before that if time isn't fixed, uh, or and if you, uh, or if, but you don't, and if time is is fragile enough that major diversions can happen, you have to have some kind of corrective 
measure. Either it's something that's built into the universe itself, where if you make too much of a change, you get a meteorite through the brain, or there are people out there that are trying, because they have their own agenda that they want to happen, they're out there trying to change your actions. They're getting in your way, you know, to make the change because they like it the way it is. And so you get these people who are constantly changing time with the overall effect that everything ends up being exactly the same as it was before. And that's one way of keeping time safe. Uh, when I introduced the time cops in my game, you know, they, they're up there and the, and the judge is like, well, you know, it might be easier just to just eliminate all of you from the timeline. Might make our job a little easier as it is. You have no idea how much work we've had to do to clean up your mess as they went bopping from time to time on this this trip. Well, you see how it gets with, you know, in Enterprise with the Temporal War and the Suliban and all that, how it was starting to get all bent out of shape. And you have Starfleet has in the 29th century the Temporal Prime Directive and all that. So, yeah, and, and... and they just sort of point and laugh at all these people who don't get the whole concept of time travel. Or yeah. like Doctor Who, uh, the Ten and River. I'm an archaeologist. Huh. I'm a time traveler. We point and laugh at archaeologists. <laughs> we make their lives miserable. Yeah. <laughs> As we drop artifacts where they have no business being. You have to explain this. Right. You deface okay. the biggest, you deface the oldest cliff in the galaxy with a love note. Hello, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. So and 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 everyone goes, yeah, you know, he says, isn't it, isn't it strange that 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 rock formation just happens to look like a you know an actual message in 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 a language, you know, in, in our language? It's just just one of those weird things. <laughs> and, I you know, what? Repli- and I love a reply. She's dressed as Cleopatra. You never answer your phone. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a. Just think of how many rocks there are out there that if you look at it the right way, they look just like a person, a famous person, as a matter of fact. Yeah. You know, there's a, a cave called Merrimack Caves. Uh, I think it's in Virginia. And uh, if you look at this one formation, it looks just like uh, the profile of President Lincoln. And they're all like going, well, do you think that was accidental? And the answer, of course, is yes, it was. <laughs> you know? But, you know, you just see someone going, you know. How how could they do that? I mean, you know, did someone actually, you know, a million years ago go and and go into this cave and you know touch a couple places so it wouldn't grow over there, but it would continue to grow over here so that eventually it would end up like this? And they come back every so often to redivert the flow to make that face, you know, or is it just a little, just just a, an accident that happens because there's you know thousands of caves and this one happens to look like President Lincoln. I don't know. It's uh, those are those are the weird things that happen that you just kind of say: Is it possible that there's more to this than meets the eye? Yeah. But uh, anyways, so I, I list out a whole bunch of uh, types of time travel adventures, uh, which is you know some of them would, you know would work in certain kinds of campaigns, some of them wouldn't. Yeah. But these are ones that I've run into in um, in, in, uh, in my own adventures. Um, so I just thought we we go over and you can feel free to add to these. Okay. Uh, one was it was all a dream. So what happens is that something happens and you think that you've time traveled, but in fact is you're actually in either a dream, you're like an altered reality, or you're in a virtual reality where you think these are happening, but it's not real. Or, but it's like you went into the past or you went into the future, or you've actually, by the effects of what you've done, you've created an alternate timeline that will, by the end of the adventure, collapse back to the original timeline. So no matter what you do, no harm, no foul. But it could be a really great opportunity to do a what if. So uh, what I did in, uh, in an adventure was... I told them that they were trying to create a secure link between the agents and the Bureau. And what they decided to do was they decided to put a transmitter on one side, on the the side facing the Earth. And that they were going to fire a tight beam down to the receiving pod on the top of the RV. And therefore, there'd be no way it could be intercepted by anybody. And that way they could have secure communication and they could actually talk to people in the Bureau without having to go through some weird, you know, you send the message, 30 minutes later they send a message back or they drop stuff to you or they delta dash it to you somehow. And something that would be more like, I could actually talk to, to that. Now, what, what I've done in my game instead is that we just simply put better encryption. 
if you yeah. said that we got supercomputers, I'm pretty sure that we can encrypt things to the level where nobody, even if they can read the the, the, the message, they can't. They'll never figure it out. You know, they'll never decrypt it. So, but at that time, that was that was seemed like a really good idea. And so I told him, I said, all right. He says, I'm going to send you a message. When you receive the message, please, you know, you need to send a reply back to acknowledge it. And so they're sitting around there, and and all and and the the communication gear lights up, and then immediately they get a message from the bureau saying. We're under attack by the Brotherhood of Darkness. You know, you know, go to your nearest, uh, the you know, uh, supply station. Get outfitted. This is the real one. And all, and and they and they realize that they're like 50 years in the future. That the the Brotherhood of Darkness, you know, basically went public about the bureau. Uh, the the two of them are are actually now in in a, in, a, in a huge war with each other. And you're you're basically foot soldiers in that war. And you, you, know, you, you find out different things that happen to different people. Um, J.P. Withers is now a general. <laughs> All kinds of things are going on. You know, there's there's legions of angels on, on one side, and they're battling, you know, uh, legions of devils on the other. And all this is going on, and... and and I, I got to have a lot of fun playing with this idea that the bureau went public and what that would mean. And, and they had a lot of fun, too, because they got to, you know, run around like crazy and use all kinds of really impressive weaponry. It was basically, you know, the Omega event that yeah. we always kind of talk about. Right. And so and, and, and at the end of it, you know, the, the one little mission that they were on, they're like saying, so are we stuck here? And I said, well, guys, what was... What were your instructions? I mean, what do you mean? We were supposed to come here? No, no. What at the beginning of this adventure, the bureau gave you instructions. What were, the, what were those instructions? And they said uh, we're supposed to wait until we receive the message, and then we're supposed to acknowledge it. I said, did you acknowledge the message? They said. No, because then we got this message from the bureau, and we went and did this and this and this, and we never acknowledged it. Oh, and they, and they go over to the they see it says you know message received and. They're back in the back in the past again, and it's never happened. And they're all like, "Oh my God!" Wait, he says, "We we have such a story to tell the people in Bangor, Maine, <laughs> and we need to tell them about this too because we don't they, we don't want them deploying this. All the agents are going to find themselves in time bubbles, you know, alternate universe time bubbles. So that was one thing you can do with with time travel. You can actually fake it. You know, you can. You can you can do use it as a method of doing a what if without actually endangering the timeline. There's a movie. Oh, and I'm blank. Oh, Christopher Reeve, Jane Seymour. Uh huh. Somewhere in time. Somewhere in time. Yes, where it it he go. I guess it's psychic time travel because yeah. he has an old penny and it helps him focus to go back to that time. He imagines himself to be in that time so strongly that he actually appears in that time. Yes, I would think that definitely, that would be my best example for this particular type of adventure, where you don't really affect the present by doing this. Yeah, psychic time travel. Because I've also seen where you, and I think this was in GURPS time travel, and they mentioned it was for a Victorian setting. You, it, it's some type of herb that you smoke, and you know how the Victorians were, they had their pipes and they're there in their rooms and everything with the leather chairs. And the fumes, the smoke from this particular herb that they're smoking allows them to psychically place themselves in people in the past and ride along and they can, if they concentrate hard enough, they can take control mm -hmm. of the people that they are inhabiting and thereby influence the environment. If not, they're just passive riders and they're watching. Right, it was kind of like that in Assassin's Creed, the video game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing the trailer for that where he sort of sent himself back into his ancestor, yeah. Right, and and I, I, I still, I'm always confused by that, whether he actually was supposed to change the, the past or he was just, there was a piece of information that he was trying to get. And and so, which is yeah, an artifact is what it was. I think from oh. what I saw the trailer. Okay, so if you do travel, you know, into the past, you know, you, you got to have a reason. I mean, you you could theoretically just go and travel because you want to go to hit all the major things. You know, you want to see the explosion of Krakatoa. You want to see the you know the firebombing of uh, Pompeii. You want to see you know people getting killed in the Colosseum. You know, you want to see whether Jesus actually was on that cross. I mean, you could do that, okay? Um, but that's kind of me is the same problem that pe people who run fringeworthy wrong, where they basically turn into a giant travelogue. Yeah. You know, you got to have a reason why you want to do these things more than just, oh, wouldn't it be cool to see that? 
so most of the time, I think, is, is when they go into the past, they're going to be doing it to find something that's no longer that's missing, that's no longer here. You know, whether it's you got it, somebody died, you know, and he's and, and and there's this safe that you have to get into, and they they have the combination. You have to go into the past and talk to them and convince them to give them the you the combination of the safe, or you know, what was the actual face of the Sphinx? You know, who was the person? You know, in in between the various. Um, Pharaohs, because if you go far enough back in the in the Pharaoh record, you just got names. They don't even know what they did, you know. So, yeah. uh, and and maybe they did something important. Uh, but again, that kind of falls in the travel log. So it'd be more like you know what uh, you know some of the more important things that that you might think. Like for example, uh, manna, you know, from the Bible. Yeah. If manna was a real thing, this is a material. Okay, that looks an awful lot like um, uh, wafers. Okay, it tastes like honey. Like a, basically, it's like a baklava is what it tastes like, so from what my reading is. But it can sustain you healthfully for a twenty-four hour period. Oh yeah, and it, yeah. And, it isn't, and it isn't a lot either. It's relatively small. So you know, it's kind of like those the, the Lord of the Rings elven travel bread. Lumbus bread. So, yeah. Right, right. So if, if such a thing existed, then this would be the perfect, you know, uh, material to use, like, say, on space travel. Or, you know, as, I mean, on hiking, you could revolutionize the whole uh, extended, of course, that since it was coming from God, you know, it, 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 it basically went bad after a day. But assuming that that was not, you know, that there was actually a formulation to it, you could actually, you know, revolutionize things in the present because of something that no longer exists. You know, um, the only other place it's supposed to be, by the way, where it didn't do that, is there's supposed to be a container of it in the Ark of the Covenant. So again, if you could find the Ark of the Covenant, you could get the one container of of manna and bring it back to the future, and then go and figure out, you know, what's, uh, uh, you know, what's the thing. You know what's it made out of? What's the what's the constitution, and can we reproduce it and use it for whatever we need to use it for? Reverse engineer the the recipe. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, so that could be important, or you know, um, certain. I I I don't know all the various things that could have happened. I mean, of course, there's also if you're in a game that has magic, you know, there might be certain magic items that you might want to get your hands on that would be. if you're up against, you know, godlike beings invading the planet, you know, it might be nice to get your hands on Thor's hammer or or Zeus's spear or even the uh, uh, the golden fleece if you want to cure somebody's disease that it won't, you know, is is a curse and won't be cured by any other method. So they might send you back from MacGuffins, is what I'm trying to say. And the whole adventure is around you trying to talk to the various people that would be current to the existence of that item to get them to help you, to give it up to you, to at least not stand in your way, and then and then bring it back to the future. So anything else you could think of? I mean, aside from, of course, just going back in time to change the past because you want to change the present. There's a lot of that, too. You know, my my younger brother, you know, fell into the ice and oh, if only somebody had stopped him, you know, yeah. there's, you know that there's there's a lot of adventures, you know, where people are trying to stop things from happening. And, and when it turn when it when it does happen, as a matter of fact, there's an old movie called The Butterfly Effect. Yeah. And that poor guy, I, don't, I, I mean, I've seen all of them, I think. In the first movie is, I think, is the most heart-wrenching. I mean, the poor guy, you know, uh, spoilers, but essentially at the end of the movie, he f- finds out, he, he keeps trying to go further and further back in his own life to go and try to fix things. Because he keeps, you know, everything he tries to fix, it just gets worse or something bad still happens to somebody. And he finally figures out that the reason that bad things happen is because he lived. He, he, was suppo- he, uh, he was supposed to die in the womb and he managed to survive. And so at the very end of it, it shows him as a baby taking his hands and throttling himself in his mother's womb or grabbing the umbilical cord, wrapping it around oh. his own neck and dying. It's horrible ending. I mean, you know, don't ever take a pregnant woman to see this movie. No, no, no. <laughs> what I'm just saying is that that's, that's uh, 
there are movies like that where they they literally are saying you know you you make a little tiny change and and you think you know what you're doing and bad things just keep snowballing until you finally and then when that happened by the way everything did get better after he killed himself everybody's life was better that was the end of the movie yeah I'm just, I could just see the writers just going, and they, people are going to lynch us for this movie. Yeah, uh, and then how many more do they make? Like one or two more after that? You're like, wait a they minute. They made like two more, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and and of course the funniest thing about it, well, you know, it had Austin Crusher in it, which is why I think it did well. And so that's why they kept making them. And of course they were relatively cheap to make because there wasn't really time travel. It wasn't like a device. He just did it, you know. But um the uh, I wasn't gonna say. Um, it's just I could just imagine the 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 people who are in charge of aver- you know, putting the publicity out for this movie. How can we put a positive spin on this movie? We, we, we don't want to talk about the ending. That's for sure. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, and, make a really good trailer. Yeah, just get yeah, it. make a really yeah. good trailer. Yeah. Show these guys him bopping back and forth through time and all this crazy stuff and people dying and him doing heroic things and well, the thing and, is, uh, for this one, it was all a dream. I mean, it it's you're creating now. See, alternate timeline and time bubble are kind of two different things. Where you appear and at the end of the adventure, nothing happened. It was all a dream, or you alternate timeline. And you come back to your present time and everything's the same because you realize you diverted history and history went on another thing. Now there right. is the problem of, and I, don't, I forget what they call it, where you remember the past even though you've changed it. Oh, Temporal yeah. inertia. That's what it was. Uh-huh. Where, let's say you do this. You go back in time 10 years. You muck around things back there. And time diverts. Mm-hmm. And well, No, I think I just mixed... It, it's the whole mixing my metaphors thing. I think. Yeah, I just, well, I mean, yeah. you remember the past, but you also have a another timeline you have to remember. And they have the whole, you know vibrating screen and the guy's screaming because now his mind's trying trying to integrate the two memories and since and since memory is holographic that means there's he's getting huge amounts of distortion in his brain and or she is and you know it's it could be a really unpleasant scene in the oh, movie or, was, or the show. Okay, with yeah. the well, we'll talk about uh, timeline. Um, Crisis on Infinite Earths, the big 1985 DC crossover that. Um, mm-hmm integrated all the various universes. Right. The villain, Matter Master, I think his name was. He's there in an asylum because, yeah, the Earth has been all integrated, yet he remembers all of the timelines. Uh-huh. Oh, no, there was a Superman in 1940s, but there was a Superman in modern day, and there was a Justice Society and Justice League, and, yeah, and, you know, he's uh-huh. with the wraparound jacket. Yeah, because he, <laughs> his mind couldn't... Um, Could, couldn't integrate it. Yeah. 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 That could be a real problem. Sure. You know, and, and, and of course you, you, you see all the mistakes that you made, but none of them ever actually happened. So why do I still feel guilty? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. And, and that's something that could affect the, uh, the characters. Okay. And, and hopefully the players where, you know, that if they're, if their actions do get unraveled, you know, and they did bad things, they're still, their characters are still going to have the changes to their own personalities, their own, you know, ethical boundaries and, and, and things, paradigms, because they, in their own minds, they did those things, even though they aren't actually guilty of it. I kinda, so I kind of did something like that with um, the, the Sunday game. Where, because they were in a TARDIS, they were kind of, like, um, protected from anything that happened in the time stream. They're mm-hmm. remembering their lives, yet they arrive modern-day Earth, and Earth has been scorched. The atmosphere is gone, it's scorched to the bedrock. And so they find out, because the Time Lord, Gina's character, Toby, has temporal inertia. Mm-hmm. That character remembers, okay, what exact point did history change boom went back to the time changed the event that would have scorched earth to the to the bedrock and managed to save the future Mm -hmm. and so i had that and i said yeah you remember getting picked up and you know and you remember working at the warehouse and you remember all these adventures yet you also remember well how earth is scorched onto the bedrock with no atmosphere so they're sitting there and and the players are sitting there trying to figure out okay how is this happening going on and it led them to the point that because the Time Lord, her memory was intact, I said, okay, start doing computer checks and figure out what happened and when did this scorching happen. Oh, 1860, the Bavarian Alps. Um, Van Dumont, the scientist that worked with Deluric Energy, and okay, da 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 da, you know. But yeah, mm-hmm. the players all had to deal with the fact that they had two conflicting timelines in their head right. because of other beings messing around with that particular event. 
All right, right. Um, time travel to the far past. Right. If you go way, way back, then you usually don't have to worry about changing the future because, as I said, you know, something that happened way, way back, that person's dead, buried, it was going to die within a century anyways. So unless there are, you somehow managed to set into action some big sweeping changes. Well, you know, let's say uh, take a group of people from uh, Egypt and bring them over to the Americas, you know, and introduce a whole different genetic population into the uh, the area so that, you know, 200, 300, 400 years later, when certain diseases come into America, um, they find there's a population that's resistant. And we, uh, then when the Europeans show up, there isn't a, a, a whole empty continent for them just to take and say, well, nobody else is using it. Yeah. So that, that can happen. But most of the time when you go into the far past, you know, you can pretty much assume that most things that are going to happen are just going to, you know, disappear into the dust of time. But but it does let you, like I say, go do those really cool stuff like you can actually go and spend time, you know, with, with pirates, you know, maybe go after some, you know, track, you know, where some of those uh, ships actually went down. Like if you go if you knew where there are certain ships that, you know, had gone down and you put a tracker on it, that's designed really well and with a uh with a uh, atomic clock on it so that after about three centuries it is it, it activates and starts sending the signal you can then go and find that and find this you know mother load of treasure that everybody's been wanting to find but nobody's been able to for the last 300 years so yeah you could you could become treasure hunters that way oh. and without without worrying about changing the timeline because all you're really doing is marking it so that it can be found later opportunity to guess gather lost artifacts right you know uh, that's where i was talking about like you know the ark of the covenant manna this is bruce sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there so go explore them and this is trav there's a reason why it's called gaming it's for having fun gaming on the frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts it is released under the creative commons 3.0 license no commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.